Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff, a podcast from iHeartRadio. I am your host, uh, Dracula Jonathan Strickland, and I love all things tech. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I know that was that was even more cringeworthy than my quizster appearances on Ridiculous History. Yeah, I, I apologize that you all had to listen to that. Anyway, it's time for a Tech Stuff classic. And this one actually comes as a recommendation from Carrie on Twitter, who said that I should really revisit one that I did way back in 2010. See, back on February 1st, 2010, we published an episode titled Ghost Hunting Technology. Chris Paulette, my original co-host, and I walked through the various gadgets and technologies used by ghost hunters 
And we explained what that technology actually is for and, and how it works and what it's supposed to do. And I talked a lot about how the use of such technology is misguided when it comes to, you know, putting it toward ghost hunting and that it's based on faulty reasoning. And the big thing is that it really boils down to ghost hunters operating as if ghosts are already a, a known fact, like that they for fact exist. And then they explain how tech behaving in some particular way supports that fact and, and counts as evidence of there being a ghost. But we haven't established that ghosts are a fact. So you can't point at anything and say it's evidence that a ghost exists. You got to prove the ghost exists first and then through lots of different you know, experiments determine what elements point to whether or not a ghost is present. You can't just say that light is flickering, therefore ghost. That's not how science works. Anyway, since we're on All Hallows Eve Eve, I thought it would be good to run this as a classic episode. And, and you can hear how 10 years ago I argued for critical thinking. And when the classic episode is over, I'm going to have a few more things to say about the topic of ghosts. So please stick around because there's more to come. Anyway, enjoy this classic episode. I don't know that we have a ghost of a chance of getting through this without you losing it, but we should try. I ain't afraid of no ghost. <laughs> so you may have already guessed what our topic is, but it comes to us courtesy of a little listener mail. This listener mail comes from Will from Austin, Texas, and he says, Hi guys, I just recently started subscribing to the podcast and always have it playing in my car to and from work. I am in the IT field, and even though I feel like I have a somewhat firm grasp on some of the concepts that are discussed, it is always nice to have something explained in a visual manner. There's, which is Odd for an audio podcast, right? I know. Well, I'm holding but, up signs. Yeah, but maybe he senses that. There's something I'm curious about, which seems to be all the craze right now, and that is all of the different ghost hunting shows on TV right now. I'm a sucker for them myself and end up watching them somewhat intrigued with the technology that they use, the things they catch within the infrared spectrum, the EMF meters and EMF pumps that they use to attract entities, and the digital recorders used to capture what is called EVP, Electronic Voice Phenomenon. From what I understand, there is nothing hard and fast that says EMF detectors are legitimate for detecting levels of magnetic activity. So it would be really nice to hear y'all talk a bit about the technology used in TV shows like Ghost Hunters, Ghost Labs, Ghost Adventures, Paranormal State. Thanks, Will. Well, right, I, Will. Think, I think we're going to have a spirited discussion. Yes. Yes. I'm going to rattle my chains. You know, I, I will say that, that my wife is a fan of a lot of these shows. Um, and I have only watched bits and pieces of them, so I am less familiar with them. But um, one of the things that I found out when I started getting into this is that uh, they're not using a whole lot of high-tech gadgetry in order to investigate the paranormal. And in a lot of cases, they're, they're using stuff off the shelf. What little they're using, they're using incorrectly. Okay, I'm going to preface this by uh -oh. saying... We just jumped right in. I'm going to preface this by saying I am a skeptic. And when okay. I say skeptic, I don't mean someone who automatically denies whether or not something exists. 
when I'm saying skeptic, I'm talking about a person who requires there to be some sort of empirical evidence that something exists before I just go ahead and accept it. And as far as ghost hunting goes, there is such an enormous lack of empirical evidence that any of this is doing anything that I find the whole uh, industry that has sprung up around ghost hunting to be infuriating. And I really do mean that because, okay, folks, if you want to type in EMF detector into any search engine, I guarantee you that at least one, if not several of the main results that pop up first are going to be about ghost hunting equipment. And here's the thing. They don't detect ghosts. I mean, there, there's no proof that they detect ghosts. There's no proof that ghosts even affect electromagnetic fields, which is what EMF detectors and meters are designed to detect. There's no proof that a ghost exists, number one. And then there's no proof that if they do exist, that they affect these fields. So why would using this tool be an indication that there is a ghost present? Well, that's... uh that's sort of the the whole thing yeah. is that i mean the, is that people are using these <laughs> people are using these devices um in hopes of finding something right. and, and in in many cases it's either in disproving the existence of a an entity in the room or proving it i mean it's not it's not hey let's stick a tape recorder in a room for an hour and see what but happens but it drives me nuts because why would this device over any other be uh, a good indicator that there is a presence in the room. That's what, that is the point where I'm already having my first problem with the whole ghost hunting thing is that it's like you arbitrarily assigned ghosts this ability to do something based upon I don't know what and that somehow watching a little needle move indicates that there must be something here. Yeah. You could just as easily say, hey, let's take this metal detector and we'll run it over the ground and every time it beeps, that's where a ghost is. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's, you just, you're making up the rules as you go along. Yeah. You can't do that. You, what you have to do first is establish that there is such a thing as a ghost and then determine whether or not a ghost is able to affect an electromagnetic field, because then you could say, okay, this tool will detect this thing. That's the way science works, people. <laughs> you don't sit there and assume something is true and then try and find a way to justify it. Here's how it works. You observe some sort of phenomena. You try and create an explanation for that phenomena. You then test your explanation. If your explanation holds after multiple tests done by multiple people under multiple situations and it still holds true, then you can say you know something. You can't just say, hey, this needle moved. Therefore, there's a dead person in the room. What? No, that's not how it works. I joked that we could call this podcast how critical thinking works. <laughs> Honestly, people, critical thinking is so important. If you don't use critical thinking, if you just swallow that the needle moved, therefore something is in this room, then I don't know what to tell you. Okay. Well, let's uh, let me breathe. Let's back away from that from that edge. No, no, it no, is no, established. No. We're going to have to stay with this edge because we have to talk about what EMF detectors actually do. Well, well that's the thing. I mean, I, that's what I'm saying. Let's. Opinion aside, let's talk about the stuff that actually works. What? Opinion? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just well, taking that's just, the, But that's I'm the thing, though. Moment. There are other people who claim that they have heard and seen things using this equipment countless I'm saying, and I don't know. I have, I have been, no doubt really that, <laughs> no that there are people out there who truly believe that they have experienced something that is 
inexplicable. Mm-hmm. Just as I have absolutely no doubt that the things they experienced were completely explicable. Okay. It's just they did not have the necessary facts or uh, ways of determining those facts uh, at their disposal at the time. And also, these events tend to become more um, outlandish or, or perhaps we should say more extravagant over time. Yeah. As we think back and we tell stories over oh, and sure. over, we tend to elaborate. And, and I'm not even saying people are, are fibbing or anything like that. They could completely believe in what they're saying. There are stories I've told where I've gone back and looked at something, you know, like like a video of a, a performance I was in and realized that the story I tell is not matching up to reality. But in my mind, that's exactly the way it happened. We all do this. It's just in this case, I think what it's done is spawned an entire industry. Well, you know, you're right that there there is no empirical evidence. There's nothing in scientific journals that indicates that any of these pieces of gear that we're going to talk about uh, has any ability to really find a ghost. There's nothing in right. any scientific journals about it that I was able to find in my research. Well, the, the first step, of, of course, is the fact that there's no scientific evidence for a ghost. So you can't that say be, that a device could find something that... Would that, be the point. Yeah. But I looked. Um, I, I'm glad you did. But and, and you know what I found out? What's that? Some One of the culprits behind the idea of using electronics to try to find spirits or, you know... Ec- some kind of uh, paranormal activity, Thomas Edison. He actually said that, um, and I didn't get the quote, I should have gotten the quote, but basically he said that he believed that there was a way to create an electronic instrument that if a ghost existed, would be uh, th- that the instrument would be capable of detecting it. Some sort of ghost detector device. Yeah. Now, he, he never built anything like that. And he never, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that he believed in ghosts. No, actually, he said them. he didn't know right. whether or not they existed, so but he said he that said if, if they, they did, do exist, there should be a way to detect them, is yes. what he was saying. And of course, uh, I, I actually saw quotes from him in a couple places. Um, but it's kind of funny to imagine that, uh, you know, I'm sure that, that some people said, okay, well, let's try to build something that will detect a ghost. And if you believe that a ghost, <laughs> if it exists, is creating some kind of field, um, magnetic or electrical or, you know, giving off some kind of signature in another plane that you cannot see, then you might try to use things like infrared cameras or EMF detectors or ion uh, density detectors to try to find something that would indicate why you feel cold when you walk in this room. It just, or, just, it seems so strange to me because you could just as easily say, you know, I, I believe ghosts exist, but the only people who can detect them are female left-handed redheads. I mean, that's just as valid a point as saying ghosts must exist, therefore they give off some sort of electromagnetic field. I don't want to haunt you with the threat of ads, but it's time for us to take a quick break. I'm sorry again. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. 
Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, this is one of those things that that surprised me when I started doing the research was that um, the people who have been doing this for a while basically take a plain old tape recorder and a camera and a notebook Mm -hmm. and they go in and they sit down and they try to find, you know, see if they see anything unusual. They take pictures um, and try to make notes of, of anything. They don't get, and, they don't buy a lot of fancy and equipment. And there are plenty of them who who do this in the hopes of finding some sort of proof of, uh, of that there are such things as ghosts, mm-hmm. but who are also very uh, intellectually honest and they, they objectively look at each and every indicator and determine whether or not there is a physical explanation for it or not. And in those cases, I think you'll find that most of those ghost hunters have so far come up 0% on the ghost and 100% on some sort of physical explanation. Yeah. But that's not, again, let me make this clear. That's not to say that ghosts do not exist. I can't say that. There's no way that I could say that ghosts do not exist and be honest with myself about it. I don't know. What I can say 
is that there's no empirical proof that they exist, and until there is, I just don't believe in them. Right. So, uh, but let's talk. Or let's talk about the what electromagnetic field meters do. Okay. What they're designed to do. So okay. These are devices that, as you would imagine, detect fluctuations in electromagnetic fields. Mm -hmm. And various things can create fluctuations. Usually it's some sort of electronic device because, as you've probably heard us talk about before, electricity and magnetic fields are closely related. Yes. You can induce one using the other. Mm Mm-hmm. So these detectors, what they're designed to do is to detect fluctuations in the field, mainly for electrical purposes. And so you might detect a fluctuation uh, around electronics where you might have something that's not properly grounded. Mm-hmm. It's really an indicator to tell you, okay, wait, the wiring in my house isn't as good as I thought it was, and I need to have this looked at. Or uh, the the shielding on this this power cable is clearly not as strong as it needs to be. And that's why I'm getting interference with my other electronics. Right. That's what it's meant for. Um, it's and what what drives me nuts is seeing companies that are selling EMF meters, which do have a legitimate, useful application, mm-hmm. and they're saying it's a great EMF meter slash ghost detector. Yeah. That drives me crazy because again, there's no proof that it's. Actually detecting, Actually detecting a ghost. anything other than <laughs> electromagnetic fluctuations that could be explained by wiring or magnets or whatever. And in fact, I saw one site, and I'm not going to name the site, but I saw one site that had a frequently asked question section mm-hmm. and said, what reading am I looking for on this gadget? And said, a reading of two to seven milligauss may be due to spirit activity. How do you determine that? Yeah. How did you just say that, oh, if you get a, a measure of two to seven, that means there's a, there's probably a ghost there. This, it's made up out of whole cloth mm-hmm. because there's no basis of fact behind it. But True. at any rate, EMF meters are legitimate tools for electricians, yes. not necessarily for ghost hunters. And maybe ghosts do affect EMF Fields somehow, or I shouldn't say EMF fields because now I'm repeating part of the acronym, but maybe they do have some sort of effect on electromagnetic fields. But without any evidence to back that up, we can't say for sure. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that in most cases, in fact, I would has I would probably argue all cases. Whenever you use a meter and the, the little needle is starting to go around and find a hot spot, there's probably just a, a, a wiring issue that would explain it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, another another uh, item that I saw that is more higher tech, I guess, um, would be uh, the ion density counter. Yes. And that can be used for a lot of things. Um, it, what it does is it tries to detect the number of ions in a cubic centimeter of air. Right. Uh, and it can be used to detect things like radon, um, whether there are combustible vapors mm-hmm. in the area, Again, uh, elect- very- electrical arcs. Right. Very legitimate uses. Yep. Um and th- this really uh, plays into the whether you know into the skeptics' view of whether or not this gadget would be useful in detecting any paranormal activity. You would have to assume first that whatever the paranormal activity is gives off ions. Well, that's number one. I thought that was assumed at this point. 
I'm I'm spelling it out. Okay, go ahead. Because there's uh, here's here's why I spell that out. Okay. I think there are a lot of people who use these devices who have no idea what the device is truly meant for, or at least was originally meant for. That's a good point. And they don't understand what it really means when they get a reading off these devices. Mm-hmm. So I know it sounds like I'm going super basic on this, but it's really to drive home the point of there are legitimate uses for these devices that have nothing to do with ghost hunting. And if you keep that in mind before we move on to the whole ghost hunting thing, it helps explain away a lot of the quote-unquote anomalies that you might find. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Please go on. Well, the thing about an ion uh, detector or ion density detector is the air has to be very, very still Mm -hmm. around it. So it's a particularly sensitive device, and lots of things can affect the reading on it. Right, So, like a draft. Yeah, a draft will affect the reading. And, you know, if a draft comes in, um, you know, you might say, oh, wait, the needle's moving. Yeah, it turns out that a lot of ghost behavior can be explained by poor sealant around the window. <laughs> it sounds like a joke, but it's really true. No, no, no. It's, but it's it's funny because, you know, the, just apparently just the slightest thing will, um, you know, it really needs to sit still and be left alone for a while for it to be to give off an accurate reading of whether or not there are a lot of ions in the area. Right. And, of course, the whole... If there were ghosts, would they give off ions? So there you are. Uh, you're talking about devices that are very sensitive and can easily give off false positives. Sure. That's another problem in that it's very easy to interpret a false positive as evidence of some sort of ac- a supernatural mm-hmm. activity, when in fact it may just be that there was a breeze that blew by and that's what affected the reading. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing how to use this equipment properly eliminates a lot of the doubt around the equipment. Mm-hmm. All right, so what else? Um, well, you know, then some people actually have been using Geiger counters, apparently. Yep. Because, yep, which uh, is designed to... Detect radiation. Exactly. Um, Again, uh, there's no... I don't think a lot of them do. I, yeah. I haven't heard, heard, but I saw that in a list of equipment that One you might wonder. take with you. I mean, if, if a ghost going, is okay. able to affect electromagnetic fields, why wouldn't a ghost be radioactive? I mean, why wouldn't ghosts be able to create jello out of thin air? I mean, mm-hmm. the... We we could just go ahead and keep on attributing stuff to ghosts all day long. And, you know, again, my metal detector example earlier on is completely valid. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to just grab whatever tools and use them to this purpose, why not a metal detector? I mean, we've, we've seen motion sensors being used as yes. ghost hunting mm-hmm. material as well. Um, lots of stuff can trip motion sensors. Uh, and I wonder if a ghost would trip a motion sensor. I mean... I don't understand how the I don't understand the set of rules that ghosts apparently obey. That's yeah. part of the problem is that if they trip motion sensors, but not other things. I mean, how does that work? Yeah, I find it a, a kind of confusing. Night um, vision goggles. Night vision goggles. Know. Well, those Infrared. are useful too. Uh, that's that's actually a question I have, and mm-hmm. maybe uh, maybe somebody can answer that for me. What's that? And um, you know, I'm I'm don't want to sound like I'm making fun of any of these shows, but. If the ghosts can be seen in the light or the, I mean, why are all these shows shot in the dark? Let me explain that. Because I really don't know. I have a, I have a good reason for the whole dark ghost thing that has everything to do with psychology. Okay. All right. And actually there's some physiology here as well. So at night, mm-hmm. you're in, you're in, you're at your house at night. Mm-hmm. You settle down to go to sleep and you hear a strange noise. Yes. At night, your house tends to be more quiet than during the daytime. People have settled down, uh-huh. right? Everyone's in bed. 
So noises that would normally be covered up by just the activity in your house during the daytime are no longer covered up. Your your mind is still alert, so you're laying in bed and you're thinking, is there someone moving around in the house? I just heard a creaking noise. Yeah. It could just as easily be the sound of your house settling. Uh, it could be the sound of a board warping slowly, just and boards do warp over time. Yeah. Sometimes they make noise. Sometimes it's like a low moaning noise, which might sound familiar to people who are familiar with the whole ghost mythology thing. Um, so that's part of it is just that that's the physiological part of it. But psychologically, it's that, you know, uh, nighttime, that's when we're not concentrating on anything else. Our mind can completely focus on these events. Mm-hmm. And humans like to create patterns out of things. They like explanations for things. And if we can't easily explain it by something that we're really familiar with, it's very easy to jump on the unfamiliar uh, supernatural train and say, oh, well, this must have been caused by this paranormal activity. Mm-hmm. So you'll see similar things like if you look into the clouds and you see a human face, uh, it's because humans like patterns. We find patterns and stuff all over the place. That's actually called a, a pareidolia is what's referred wow. to as. Okay. So pareidolia is where we start seeing patterns and things. We usually, Actually, pareidolia specifically is about faces, being able to recognize faces and things like a, uh, the water. You know, you might look into some muddy water and say, oh my gosh, I just saw a face looking back at me that wasn't a reflection, it was actually a face. Well, it's because we see these things, our mind creates a pattern and we convince ourselves that we've seen something that wasn't necessarily there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same sort of thing happens when we hear noises. We start to, our brains start to, to fill in gaps. Yeah. And as a result, we add information there that wasn't necessarily there originally. The spirits are quiet, but the advertisers aren't, so we're going to take another quick break. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? 
Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. I would argue that this is also the case when you're talking about the whole electronic voice phenomenon stuff where you've taken a recorder and you uh, you listen to the sounds that have been left on that recorder and you start to try and pick stuff out, uh, you'll find a lot of sound files out there where people will claim, oh, if you listen carefully, you'll hear a woman crying yes. in the background. Mm-hmm. Or you'll hear someone saying something, but you just can't quite make it out. Or maybe you can even sort of make out a few words. I would argue on a lot of those, it's just random noises that our brain kind of pieces together and tries to make sense out of because we don't really like random. Well, um, you know, they say, or at least uh, the information I got when I was doing some research on it, indicated that uh, people who are engaged in ghost hunting activities will tell you that they don't hear these sounds when they're actually in the room. But when they go back and listen to the tapes, something has made that noise appear on the track. And of course, the, a lot of people who disbelieve that say that, you know, this is what's called, uh, ITC, instrumental transcommunication, which is, um, or no, that's what the proponents say, that that's what it's called. Right. Uh, they're trying to talk to you via the recording. Um, and the people who are against it say, no, that's electrical interference. Something is, you know, making these noises pop up, um, on your, uh, you know, on the tape recorder or on your digital recorder that you use to, uh, to do this. And it's a flaw. Um, but you know, they, people stared at computer screens trying to analyze the waveform, looking for the patterns. Again, you know, looking I, for the, again, it's just, voices. I think it's just our desire to be able to organize the universe in a way that makes sense to us. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's, that's what science is all based on. It's trying to understand the universe. It's just that science takes a very specific procedure to do so. Whereas things like the ghost hunters, they leap to a conclusion. Uh, without necessarily having the proof to back it up. And then they're looking, they're kind of looking for the proof after the conclusion. Or they're taking anything that happens as some sort of evidence for the conclusion they've already arrived at. But that's more fun. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, it's a good but thing no, we I have think, a table between us. <laughs> no, no, but I think, I think that's the point. I think that's the point of doing all of this stuff is that 
you know, they like to go out and they investigate well, things, they make, and they're hoping that they'll find something. And some of them just make a lot of money. There's that. There are people who depend upon this kind of belief system in order to make a living. And some of them are true believers and mm-hmm. some of them are not. And it doesn't matter to the ones who are not actually in, you know, the, the ones who don't believe in it, they don't care that, you know, there may or may not be anything to it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, before we sign off on this, this whole thing, we should also probably talk about photography and orbs. Oh yeah. Are you yeah. familiar with the whole orb uh, phenomenon. Oh yeah, the little the the glowing balls yeah, and things that, that appear in that supposedly photos. indicate that there is a spirit present. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, what it really indicates is just a bad flash. Turns out digital cameras have the flash uh, located a little too close to the lens. That's mm-hmm. why you hardly ever see any kind of orbs in a professional uh, photograph, because pro- professional photographers keep the flash well away from the uh, the lens. You don't tend to get this weird um, orb effect, which often, it's not always, but often uh, caused by the flash reflecting off of something in the, the photo, whether it's a, a reflective surface mm-hmm. or dust or water vapor. Um, the flash tends to reflect. The light is bouncing back at the lens, and it shows up as an orb in the photo. Uh, also, lens flare. That's the other really big common cause of these orbs. It's not necessarily that... Uh, you know, the, the, your ancient ancestor is trying to make contact with you. It's that your digital camera kind of sucks. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, and people might say, well, why, why is it blurred? Well, that's probably because we don't tend to hold still very well. Mm-hmm. Whenever you're taking a photo, if your shutter speed is, is fairly slow, then uh, even though the flash is on and off in a second, the fact that your hands are moving while the camera is taking the photo can cause a blurring effect. And that's why some of them aren't perfect orbs. They just look like little blurry motion. Um, and there are other things that can happen as well. I've seen videotape where people have said, look, this must be some sort of ghost. Do you see the form that passed in front of the uh, – the, there was one of a gas station where oh, okay. it looked like a, a weird blue form passed in front of the um, the the, the – uh, the gas dispensers. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I was thinking, um, no, that actually was probably a bug that was on the lens of the camera. <laughs> and uh, as soon as I thought that, I started to do some research and I started looking at other people who were really good at, at uh, analyzing video. And that seemed to be the prevalent theory that there was something on the actual camera lens. And so it made it look like it was much larger than it was, and it made it look like it was passing in front of of, of the background as opposed to the foreground. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's lots of ways that our, our brains will trick us into thinking we've seen or heard or experienced something that may not be the case. Well, I think until uh, until people get more scientific, they'll probably continue messing around with it to yeah, see what they can find. I, I just I think of it as someone who just grabs a bunch of unrelated tools and they don't understand really what they're meant for and they're using them for something totally different and they think that that's somehow valid. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, someone may go out there today and prove definitively that ghosts exist and that they dis- they exhibit certain behaviors, but to this date they have not done that and mm-hmm. it's more like just people flailing around arguing that they're they're uh methods are valid without any any way of backing it up. Right. Which is why I go berserk. Because there's just there's so much money being made out there 
by these people that uh, it's just not it, – we could be putting that, that effort, that thought into actual science. That would be great. And that was the classic episode of Tech Stuff about ghost hunting technology. Now, I want to say a few more things before we sign off, because as I recall, I, I actually haven't listened to this rerun. I find it hard to listen to myself. Uh, I remember doing this episode even 10 years ago, but I also remember getting kind of head up about it. So I want to clear a few things up. First, I want to say I happen to love ghost stories. I think they can be really fascinating and genuinely creepy. When I was in school, I checked out every single book in the library about ghosts and, you know, spooky folklore. And some of my favorite movies are ghost story movies, like The Changeling. That was a film from 1980. It's one I really love, despite the fact that the third act goes off the rails. Uh, I, I love The Sixth Sense. I even love The Others. Uh, one of my favorite things to watch right now are Let's Play videos of people playing a game called Phasmophobia. And in that game, you play as a ghost hunter. You use some of the technology we mentioned in this episode to try and track down and identify ghosts. It looks like it's great fun. Uh, sadly, it looks like it's also best played with groups of friends. And that would mean I need to convince friends to play with me. But that's my own you know, burden to bear. But in all these cases, we're talking about works of fiction or folklore. It's, it's no more real than a fairy tale or a vampire story. So I think you can enjoy spooky stuff while also remaining skeptical of real-world manifestations of that spooky stuff. I can enjoy a horror game or a movie without leaping to the conclusion that there are real-world ghosts out there. I certainly haven't seen anything remotely coming close to actual evidence that ghosts exist or that the phenomena that's been observed to be ghosts can't be explained by a more mundane cause. Heck, I don't think you can even say that if such a thing as ghostly activity exists, I don't think you can necessarily link that to the concept of a ghost as in an entity that represents a dead person. None of that is... All, I mean, it's just fantasy. There's no science behind it. So have a happy Halloween, <laughs> you know, enjoy some spoopy entertainment, but be comforted that as far as science has been able to determine, ghosts are only within our own imaginations. So thank you for listening. If you have anything you want to add or you want me to cover in future episodes of Tech Stuff, let me know on Twitter. The handle is TechStuffHSW. I'll talk to you again really soon and pleasant nightmares. Happy Halloween. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R 
BlueNile.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.